welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Hope City Church, I'm thankful to be with you this weekend. I've had something on my heart to share for some time. We're nearly a week out from the 21-day fast, and I'm sure many of us participated in that. And it was a deep time of introspection where we were asking the Lord to draw close to us, and we were surrendering to Him and seeking Him for direction for our future. And it was a very meaningful time. And I just want to take this out a little bit farther as Pastor Jake and Jenny have been sharing about the inward and the outward and the upward that we're just going to take this message a little farther out and the message that I'm going to be speaking this weekend is called destiny and the redemptive gifts of our nation of Canada I'm sure we all understand that each of us have a personal destiny that God wants to unfold in our hearts and our lives and our destiny is very much connected to our identity who we are as sons and daughters of God. And the stronger our spiritual identity is, the greater the the purpose, the greater fulfillment for our destiny will be. And the same for our national uh, destiny, our national identity, that we have a, a DNA as a nation, as the nation of Canada, that God wants us to fulfill the gifts and callings that he's placed within us. And it's very much connected also to our identity as a nation. We'll just look at the meaning of, of destiny. It simply means what is going to happen, what has to happen, what is meant to be, or what is foreordained or predestined. In 1 Corinthians 2.9, it says, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man all that God has prepared for those who love him. So God wants to unfold our personal destiny and also to see where that connects to our national destiny destiny. It's important to know that God has given Jesus the nations for his inheritance. And I believe that as his church, his body, he wants to take us into a greater realm of authority to contend for our nation and to stand for our nation. In Psalm 2, we we see that the father is speaking to his son and he's saying to him, ask of me, and I will give you the nations as your inheritance and the ends of the earth as your possession. So Father is inviting Jesus to ask him for the nations. And we know that Canada is part of Jesus' inheritance that we want to enter into, especially in the place of prayer, as we join with Jesus as he ever lives to make intercession for us and for our nation. We join with that prayer that the nations will be given to Jesus as his inheritance, which includes Canada. In Psalm uh, 33, 12, it says, Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. And so we want to be that blessed nation that God is our Lord. It's important to remember, too, that the Holy Spirit was poured out for not just we as individuals, but for the nations as well. If we look at Acts 2, in the beginning it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were gathered together in one accord as Jesus promised them, as Jesus told them to gather together and wait to be endued with power from on high. And you know, this day of Pentecost was not just a happenstance day. 
but it was a day that was orchestrated and ordained by God. And it's one of those wonderful uh, pilgrimage feasts that we see in Leviticus 23, that every year the nations would come to Jerusalem to celebrate. And those um, feasts would be Passover and Pentecost and also the Feast of Tabernacles. And Pentecost simply means uh, a festival of weeks. It's also a harvest festival. And it was exactly 50 days after the Lord Jesus was raised up from the dead when they gathered in that upper room to wait for the power of the Spirit to be poured out. And as they celebrate, the Jewish people celebrate Pentecost, they are remembering when Moses went up on Mount Sinai to receive the Ten Commandments. And we see many of the same manifestations duplicated in the Acts 2 pouring out of the Holy Spirit that happened on Mount Sinai. The earth shook and there was smoke and there was fire. And we know that that happened on, in the book of Acts as well. But what's significance is, this, is the verse in Acts 2, 5. And it says, And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. So the nations would, were gathered in Jerusalem at that time. And as the Spirit was poured out, and as they began to receive that manifestation of the gift of tongues, and as they were pray, praying and interceding, that um, the people that were from the nations heard them. And what did they hear? They heard them declaring the wonderful works of God in their own particular language. God supernaturally poured out His Spirit in a way that they were able to speak in a supernatural tongue that they'd never learned. And so we see in this first instance that God has poured out His Spirit also for the nations as well as we as individuals. It's good too to remember what are the redemptive gifts of Canada? What have we been called to? What is our identity? And we know that uh, our redemptive gifts in Canada are for mercy, for healing, for reconciliation, and to help with the releasing of other nations. And one way in particular that we can extend healing and mercy is through the power of prayer. In prayer, we uh, had an expression that God wants to put on the poultice of prayer, bring healing through prayer. I have had such a deep compassion for the United States over the last weeks from November 3rd and during November 6th when there was that uprising in Washington, D.C. and also on the day of inauguration here on January uh, 20th that I just had such a deep compassion for the people of God in the nation of the United States and, and also for uh, former President Trump and his family and just for all the dynamics that are happening there. And it's part of the mercy heart of God that as we stand in intercession that he wants to bring healing and mercy to the nations of the world through our nation of Canada. In Revelation 22, 2, at the end of the verse, it says, the leaves of the tree will be for the healing of the nation. And of course, when we read this scripture, we think of our amazing flag in the, in the red and the white, the purity, and then the blood of Jesus and the red maple leaf on, on that background of white that, that God has called us to bring healing to the nations. This is part of our redemptive gift and redemptive calling. And even though it seems like it's limited to today because of all the dynamics that are happening in our country, we know that God has brought the nations to our to our country of Canada. And he wants us to have a heart for the nations and understand that he's poured out his spirit and that we have a destiny and a purpose that he wants to fulfill in our lives. 
we can look at the original foundation of our nation and be encouraged. Did you know that there are actually 25 scriptures that are embedded in Parliament Hill in the buildings there? And some of those scriptures are Psalms 72.1, Give the king your judgments, O God, and your righteousness to the king's son. And this one we're familiar with, I'm sure, Psalm 72.8, He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. Also Proverbs 29.18, Where there is no vision, the people perish. We see these inscripted in the very halls of our parliament and our nation. And this is the heart of God. Our, our, our nation was built on the foundation of the word of God and his heart. Also Ephesians 6.13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all stand. And if that is not a verse for our current times, I don't know what is. We're to put on the whole armor of God. Also, if we look at the Peace Tower, we see um, very many expressions of the heart of God. And we see that there are, they have stained glass windows on the south windows in the Peace Building. We see beautiful stained glass, one that uh, depicts the crucifixion of Jesus. Another that shows St. George slaying the dragon, which of course speaks of evil. He was a, a Christian soldier. And then there's also a stained glass window with the Archangel Michael upon it. And so we see these pictures in the very fabric of our parliament buildings that are still speaking, speaking of our foundations that were established to faith in the Lord Jesus. If we look at the west windows in the Peace Tower, we see again beautiful scriptures that are incorporated there. Job 9.4, God is wise in heart and mighty in strength. John 4.35, the fields are white unto harvest. And we know that is true, that God is preparing the harvest and he wants us to pray to send forth laborers into the harvest in our nation. There's also a scripture from Jeremiah 3, 17 and 18 that talks about Jerusalem being the throne of the Lord and the heart of God for his nation of Jerusalem. And there's a battle, there's a battle in the heavenlies and there's a battle over nations regarding being a sheep nation, that our destiny in Canada is to be a sheep nation. And if we look at the meaning of that, we know that Jesus said in the end times, he will separate the goats from the sheep. And we want to be that sheep nation. Sheep nations are those who, who uh, support Israel, who love Israel. We see this in Genesis 12, 3, where the promise was given to Abraham that he would be made a great nation. And we would be blessed if we blessed Israel or cursed if we cursed Israel. In Psalm 122.6, it says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. We will prosper as we do that. And for many, many years, we've been established on that heart of God for the nation of Israel. In recent times, that has shifted somewhat. But I believe it's our destiny to be a country that supports and stands for Israel. And so this is part of our mercy calling. This is part of our reconciliation of nations as the nation of Canada, that we would pray. We would pray that we would be that sheep nation that is our destiny and our call. We can look at what defiles a nation. And uh, we see this 
all through our culture, broken covenants on so many different levels, sexual immorality, we see this on so many different levels as well, that right has become wrong and wrong has become right. And we, we know that that is contrary to the foundations that our nation was built on. Also the shedding of innocent blood. We see that in that, this whole abortion issue across our nation where there's been so many lives snuffed out even before they've been able to enter into this world. Also idolatry, the, the heart of just being your own God, so much humanism. And yet God wants us to raise up a standard against these things that will, will cause uh, deliverance to come to our nation and to our country. And to be able to see that he wants to move on our behalf. There's bills right in Parliament right now, um, the C6 bill and C7 bill, where it, it is confronting the whole issue of uh, sexual identity and sexual confusion and conversion therapy, that they're trying to outlaw that, where people actually desire to have help, to uh, desire to have help to understand what their true identity is in, in being a, in the image of God and fashioned after his image. And also the whole... Um, battle over C7, which is the, the bill regarding euthanasia of, again, this, this spirit of death and shedding of innocent blood, that God wants us to stand up as a nation against these forces of darkness. And so in doing this, I just felt the Lord wanted us to look a little bit more at a very familiar portion of scripture in 2 Chronicles 7.14, we're very familiar with this. If we look at the context of it, it was when Solomon was called to build the temple. He had built the temple and he had dedicated the temple to the Lord. And uh, in the midst of this, there were many conditions that were set up for his people, that they should follow the conditions that God had laid out for them. And even before this scripture, it says, when there would be plagues or pestilence upon the land, this is what I desire of my people. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And many of us have been standing and contending for this to come forth. And in this portion of scripture, we see that it, there are steps or stages to awakening and to revival. And it's my heart and my belief, and I believe it's God's heart, that he wants to bring such an awakening to the church in Canada and revival to the church in Canada at this time. And as we take these steps that are laid out in this portion of scripture, we will certainly see that end result come. First and foremost, number one, if my people who are called by name. Again, this has to do with our identity, to know who we are and what we are, that we follow the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and we are sons and daughters of that King. The fate of nations rests in the hands of the righteous. If my people, if my people who are called by my name, to know who we are. God wants to solidify our identity in him and our identity as a nation and the calling of God upon our hearts. Pastor Jake and Jenny expressed how that they believed that 2021 was going to be a year of unity. And the word of God shows us that there's nothing we cannot do when we are at one 
with each other and at one with the purposes of God. Matthew 18, 19, again I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father who is in heaven. And so God wants us to come into that agreement, to understand who we are personally and what our personal identity is, and also to understand what our destiny and calling is as a nation and understand what our identity as a nation is. It's very important, too, that each generation understands and has a confidence of the calling of God and the destiny that God has called them to. The Lord has put in my heart such a passion for the generations and to be able to influence in, in a positive way and encourage. And it's my belief that God wants to pour out his spirit like never before as he promised in his word that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh that our sons and our daughters would prophesy and that we would see these beautiful expressions of the Holy Spirit in, in, in the days ahead, the, the days that we're looking and anticipating. And we see also that there's a great strategy of darkness to endeavor to, to, to shut down the generations or the, the, the generations that are following, my children, my grandchildren. It's my heart that each one would experience the fullness of the Spirit. And I believe that God wants to pour out his spirit in such a way that there would be such an awakening and such a revival that would actually shift the culture that we see the negative factors that I've spoken about, but that will change the culture and release us into the purposes of God. I know that for my children, my grandchildren, both in the natural and the spiritual, that many have experienced the presence of God, but have not experienced an outpouring that has actually changed the culture. For those who are in my generation, we've experienced that. Thinking back on uh, a movement that happened in the 60s when, when God poured out a spirit in such a way that, that hippies with long hair and bare feet came into the church just as they were. They experienced salvation from the Lord. They were filled with the spirit and there was a revival and a renewal and a, a releasing of worship within the church. We called it the charismatic movement. And it's, I know, prophesied and believed in our hearts that this day is coming when we will experience that kind of move of God that will actually shift our culture into the place and destiny that God has called us to be. When Joshua was going to go into the promised land, he needed to have the confidence to lead the same way that Moses did. In Joshua 1.5, 1, 1, it says, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. What a promise to Joshua. And God is raising up a Joshua generations and Jacob generations that seek the face of God and that will pursue God with all their hearts. And he wants to pour his spirit out upon them. The second step will humble themselves. Humility is an attitude that gains entrance. God wants to gain entrance into our hearts and lives. He wants to gain entrance into our communities, into our churches, into our lives like never before, to have that attitude of humility. We see that happening to the prodigal son who received his inheritance and squandered it and wasted it and found himself in the, in the swine pen, in the pig pen. 
And when he was in that pig pen in Luke 15, 17, he came to his senses and he remembered that the servants in his father's house were much better off than he was. And he turned his heart towards home. And it's my heart and belief that, that, and we've heard from prophets saying that it's the time for the prodigals to come home to father's house. And when the father's house is filled with the father's love, the prodigals will come home. But we're believing that many prodigals will be awakened and have a spirit of humility and understand that they're just living in a pig pen and they need to return to God's heart. And so, Lord, even now, we just call those prodigals out from that place where they've squandered their lives and call them back to your heart. We know that's your heart, that you want to bring the prodigals home. That spirit of humility, to know our place and to know our God, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And uh, the kingdom means where the king reigns. And as we have a spirit of humility and humble ourselves, that we will see these things begin to transpire and unfold. The third step is the most important step, possibly. And it is, if my people who are called by name will humble themselves and pray and pray. Prayer is the answer for that move of God that we long for. And it's, it's a different uh, type of prayer. There's many different types of prayer, but this prayer is, I would call, like a birthing prayer. And for those of you who are her men, you'd probably be not comfortable with the whole thought of birthing or haven't experienced birthing in the natural. But we as women know what it is to experience birthing and for the joy of that child being born. And we know that there's many things in the spirit that God desires to birth in this time and this season that will happen through this birthing kind of prayer, this intense prayer, this never giving up in prayer before the Lord. It is also called travail. And when we think of travail, we can think of weeping or crying out to the Lord. It's just the cry of the spirit of God. We see an example of this in the life of Hannah in 1 Samuel 1.13. Hannah and her husband Elkanah were not able to have a child. And it was her longing and desire to have a child. And she would go to the temple. And it says in this verse, in that, in that 1 Samuel uh, 1.13, that she was praying from her heart with great intensity. And her lips were moving, and, and yet it wasn't audible. She wasn't able to be heard. And, and um, Eli the priest was there and he was listening and he thought for sure this woman is, is drunk and she is just carrying on in such a way with such intensity. But we know that God heard the cry of her heart and he answered the cry of her heart and he, he gave Hannah and Elkanah a son. That was uh, Samuel, the first prophet. And we know that even as a child, it says in the word of God, that none of his words fell to the ground. We know that through this kind of travailing, birthing prayer, that God wants to bring forth many sons and daughters, many prophetic sons and daughters who will carry the Spirit of God. We see this also in the life of Elijah in 1 Kings 18.42. He had just had his battle with the, with the prophets of Babylon and called fire down from heaven and, and defeated those, those prophets. And it, earlier on in that portion of Scripture, it talks about there was a great famine in the land and that, that water and rain would not come except by the word of God that came from Elijah's mouth. And there came a time just after this battle 
that Elijah knew that it was time for rain to come and water the land. And what did he do? He got down on the ground in 1 Kings 18.42 and he put his head between his knees and he began to cry and to prevail and to travail in prayer and to just believe because the sound of abundance of rain was in his heart. And he sent his servant off to look on the horizon to see if there were any clouds. He went seven times and it wasn't until uh, that cloud formed, a small cloud, cloud like the, uh, a hand, a fist was in, in the sky that they knew that the rain was coming, that the rain was coming. And there's a cry in our heart that the rain and the Spirit of God would come and fall upon us. We also see this kind of prayer in Romans 8, 26, where it says, The Spirit helps our weakness, for we don't know how to pray as we ought to. But the Spirit makes intercession with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is and intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that out of this kind of travailing spiritual prayer, this prayer in the Holy Spirit, that it says all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose. We love God. We're called according to his purpose personally and also as people who are called to this nation. As we think of Esther was called to the nation of Israel for such a time as this, that we've been called for such a time as this. And many would look at it as being a dark time, but it's an exciting time because we know that in our spirits, we believe that God is going to move like never before. And so we embrace this season, we embrace it this time, knowing that God has called us for such a time as this. And he wants to empower and enable our prayer, our intercession, personally for our homes, for our churches, for our children, and also for our great nation of Canada. The next step, number four, seek my face. Seek my face. We can spend a lot of time doing a lot of different things, but to seek the face of the Lord. Thinking of the portion of scripture in Psalm 27 where David says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he will hide me, he will set my foot upon a rock. And so he wants us to seek his face. I believe it's the time to seek the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord is the reality of God invading our human sphere. All that God is, all his goodness, all his blessings, all that he has for us. The glory of the Lord in Hebrew, the kavodah, the heavy weight of God. And we experience his presence in measure. But I believe that he wants to pour out his glory. In Isaiah 60, it tells us to arise, shine, for thy light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. So as we seek his face, we will taste and we will see the glory of the Lord. As we see Moses in Exodus 33, that he cried out to God, he says, Show me your glory, God. Show me your glory. Show me all that you are and all that you can do. And the Lord was, said to him, I will let all my goodness pass by you. But it's impossible for human beings to be able to experience my glory and, and still live. And yet Moses cried out to see the glory of the Lord. And the, God told him, I want you to hide in the cleft of the rock. And I will let all my goodness pass over you. 
and you will experience and you will see my glory. And we know that Jesus is the cleft of the rock that we hide in. So the cry of our heart is to seek his face, to seek his face like that Jacob generation. Jacob saw the face of God. He sought the face of God. And this is the kind of spirit that God wants to give us, that we would cry out for his glory. Number five, to turn from our wicked ways. To turn from our wicked ways. I'm sure that during our time of, our time of fasting, that we were seeking God for just repentance and, and for him to cleanse our heart, to search our heart, and, and to release us from those things that would hinder us. But I'm talking about repentance on a different level. It's just having a spirit of repentance for our nation, that he would purify our nation, that he would cleanse our nation, that we would be able to surrender to his purposes, that we would turn from our wicked ways. So the sixth stage, or the sixth step in this awakening or this revival call in this passage of scripture is, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin. So we see and hear the manifestation of, of God answering the cry and the prayers of his saints all across this nation. The manifestation of, of the cry of our heart from Matthew 6.10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. All that is necessary, all that is needed is in that realm of the throne room of God. As we access the th throne room of God, we make an appeal to heaven we make a demand on heaven to release those kingdom benefits into our nation and into our lives. And uh, maybe you're not aware, but there is a mighty prayer movement across our nation of Canada from sea to sea. And I've been on a number of prayer calls where intercessors from every province in our nation are standing in the gap for our country and for its purposes and for the generations that are, are coming and particularly among the First Nations people, their representatives, and they, they are leading the way in this prayer call. And it's almost like this, this underground prayer movement is, is about to burst forth on the scene and these prayers are going to be answered uh, by the Lord. He does not ignore our prayers. They're being stored up, as it says in Revelation, there are bowls in heaven with the incense, where there are the prayers of the saints that are being filled with intercession and prayer and worship that is being filled up. And those things are beginning to overflow. And God is going to answer from heaven and forgive all that is necessary in our land to turn our land around and to change our culture for the purposes of God. God wants to find an altar that he can put his fire upon. And we, we pray that uh, scripture in, in Romans 12, 1, that, that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. This is our reasonable service of worship. And as we intercede and as we stand in the gap, we're creating an altar for the fire of God to come. We're crying out for the fire of the Holy Spirit. I've become very aware, too, of the role that angels play in the purposes of God. We know the scripture in uh, Psalm 34, 7, that says that the angels of the Lord are encamped around about those who fear him and trust him. We fear him. We trust him. 
The angels are there. I believe the Lord wants us to have a greater awareness. We've been praying Psalm 91, that the Lord would give his angels charge over us to guard us in all our ways. They will bear us up lest we dash our foot against the stone. So we know that the angels are very active around in the spirit realm. Jesus is called the captain of the host. And the host means angel armies. He's the captain of the armies of heaven. And he's the captain of the armies of earth. And when the armies of heaven and the armies of earth join together, how powerful that is. That angels are dependent upon our prayer. They're waiting for our prayer. They're waiting for our intercession. Our intercession arms angels. They are our heavenly assistants. As it says in Hebrews 1.14, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation? And I believe that, that God would give us a greater revelation that, that we are able to call forth those ministering angels. We're even able to command angels to be released in the name of Jesus, to go to those prodigals, to go to those ones who need to inherit salvation, who need to experience salvation. We can command angels to go into the harvest field and, and help us and enable us as Jesus is making intercession. We just believe that we're arming, we're arming angels to be on guard for us, the guardian angels of God. And they also have the capability as we join together in the purposes of God to pierce through satanic powers. In 1 John 3, 8, it says, For this reason was the Son of God manifest to destroy the evil works of the enemy. So the greater one lives within us. As we think of the example of Elisha, who, whose servant eyes were opened to see the heavenly hosts that were surrounding so that they could win the battle. That God wants to open our eyes to that spirit realm and to understand how important it is and to understand it in, and enter into our full inheritance in intercession. He's hearing from heaven. Our prayers are not wasted. Our prayers are heard on high. And he's about to answer like never before. And then the last step, the promise of God and I will heal their land. God desires to pour out a great healing anointing in these days. It's going to be a year of unity. It's also been prophesied that it's going to be a year for the church. We say, how can that be? The church has been silenced in so many ways. It's almost like we've had to go underground in a lot of ways. But the church is alive and well. You cannot defeat the church of the living God. The church will rise up from this place. And God promises that he will heal our land. He will enable us to enter into our personal de destiny. He will enable us to enter into our destiny as in the nation of Canada for the healing of the nations. And another ingredient of this year will be that God will release great signs and wonders. We are so dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God. And the first step in seeing these things come forth and seeing God manifest that healing to our nations is this whole place of prayer. If my people, we are his people, we are the sheep of his pasture, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, the promise of God, 
I will forgive their sin. I will heal them. And I will heal their land. We are calling upon and believing for a mighty awakening, a mighty awakening by the Spirit of God and a great revival. And we see just some simple steps here in the place of intercession to see that begin to happen. And so we're taking that place of humility. We're, we're standing upon this word and believing that as we take our position in prayer and intercession, that not only are we going to see our personal destinies fulfilled, but we're going to see the call of God upon us as the church in Canada to fulfill our destiny and calling in God. Will you just pray with me as we just present this to the Lord and present our hearts to the Lord? Lord, we want to be an altar where you can send forth your fire. We thank you for the fire of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for the fire of prayer. We pray that you would ignite our hearts like never before. Lord Jesus, that we would be that house of prayer that you long to raise up in our nation, in our homes, for our families. We just present ourselves and make ourselves available to be your people in this hour, the ones that you've called for your purposes. And we just thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We do cry out to seek and to see the glory of God. We just believe it's the time for the church to have its finest hour. And we just thank you for your commitment to us, Lord. And we commit ourselves anew and afresh to this place of prayer that your promises and your prophetic words that have been spoken over us will begin to unfold in these days of January and through this year. We pray that there would be opening, Lord God, that you would open up, you would open up homes for houses to be houses of prayer. We pray that you would open up our places of worship, Lord God. We just stand in the gap today because we know that we have a calling and we know that we have a destiny in you. And we just believe that you will unfold it in the days ahead. And so we commit ourselves to your purposes, Lord. And we thank you for who we are and who you've called us to be in this very fabulous hour that you are orchestrating, Lord. We pray this in the name that is above every name, the name of Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.